Welcome to the Sanity Pod, honest human stories from the front lines of startup life. Our mission is to normalize the ups and downs of creating something from nothing and the challenges common to every leader, such that we might all feel a little less alone in the journey. In our first season, we are focusing on stories and tactical advice from leaders guiding organizations through the coronavirus crisis. Welcome. We are so glad you're here. Well, I appreciate you being here with us today. I know it's later in the day there for you as well. Are you are you in Barcelona right now? No, no. I'm actually in Santiago, Chile. Oh, I'm not even on the right continent. Today, I'm very excited for you to meet my good friend, Amir Salifindich. Amir is the founder and CEO of Doist, maker of one of the world's most widely used task management apps, Doist. Amir bootstrapped Doist to millions of customers and tens of millions in revenue. But that's not why I'm excited for you to meet him. I'm excited because of the honesty and openness he brings to some of the biggest questions that haunt each of us. What makes me valuable? How do I know if I'm doing or achieving enough? What is enough? What actually makes my life valuable? You're going to love Amir. I can't wait for you to meet him. Amir, thank you so much for being here today. Matt, it's a pleasure, man. Uh, I love the conversation we have had in the past, so I think this will be a really good one. Why don't we start by just giving the people listening a little bit of context on on you and whatever you'd like to share on your background and a bit of the story of the company. Sure. Oh, can, can you hear my, my daughter? <laughs> yes. Uh, How old is she? She's seven months old. Uh, yeah. So I hope uh, like she won't uh, be uh, disturbing us a lot. Yeah. Um, so let's just restart this. Um, yeah. So a bit of my history is like I, I was born in Bosnia in a small town and I, I grew up in Denmark due to the war in the Balkans during the 90s. Uh, so basically, that's kind of like where I grew up. Then basically, I started this side project while studying computer science. I started it uh, from my dorm room. I wanted to do like a to-do list. I basically started it like any other programmer. Like if you search on Google, you will find like probably millions of like to-do samples that people do. I was just like a lot more persistent and I really wanted to have like a really great tool to manage my life and my work. And that's basically what I created. And uh, since then, I have kind of built a company around this. Uh, We are about 80 people right now spread around, I think maybe 30 countries. And we have been at this for like almost 10 years, probably over 10 years, probably. Yeah, like we have this task management app still. It's probably one of the most popular right now on the market. And then we have also done like a new product called Twist, which is basically asynchronous team communication tool. Uh, My interests are really like in technology and like also improving, you know, how we work, how we collaborate, how we communicate and how we live. So it's basically a very short story. Beautiful. I appreciate the introduction. Your product is one of my favorite experiences of discovering a really fun to use product. I am also a bit of a productivity nerd. And throughout my early years of running my last business, 2020, went through several explorations of what the best tool set were to help me manage my own task flow and discovered Todoist and became a very passionate uh, user and have been ever since. I've been uh, tracking my 
progress in the app. I'm on quite a streak now over the last many years. But one of my favorite experiences of becoming a, a user and a fan of a product before getting to meet the founder and then you and I meeting at bootcamp in Colorado is, was such a fun experience to get to meet the brilliant, humble, fun man behind this beautiful product that I've been using for several years. So fun to hear the background. Well, thank you. Yeah, I mean, honestly, like that bootcamp trip was kind of like very surreal for me. <laughs> you know, I, I signed up for like a leadership trip. Like I wanted to prove, improve my leadership. And I think I ended up kind of like improving my life and just like questioning our stuff. And I also met like a lot of really great people there. And I'm actually in touch like with a lot of people there still. So it, it was very fun. And uh, like meeting you there uh, was quite special as well. Um, like you have like these sometimes experiences in life that are just... Uh, eye-opening and it's so hard to actually replicate them always and they are a lot of time just like they come out of the blue. When you think back on that time at boot camp where you came with an intention to grow your leadership skills and ended up sounds like making some significant changes to your life, what are the threads that stick with you today that have continued since that time and that you continue to explore? Yeah. I mean, honestly, I think something that really was very eye-opening for me is first, like, you know, this bootcamp is kind of like you meet 15 other founders. And what you find out is kind of like everybody is struggling, like regardless of how successful they are. And, you know, some people there, like, you know, they had like huge companies and they were, you know, probably the most miserable of, of all, <laughs> if you can even like compare that. And I think that's something that maybe people don't really, you know, figure out because like on the outside, you know, you can kind of present an image, but on the inside, like you can really have like huge issues. And I think a lot of like the really successful people that I have met have some huge issues, like, you know, and maybe, you know, that's also like a reflection, uh, the work that you do and you know, the, the drive that you need to have, like you need to have some kind of inner conflict that you need to resolve and maybe you will never resolve it. So, so that's really like one thing. And another thing is basically for me, like I have, ne I never actually went in and like tried to find like my shadow side and understand like really, you know, what is driving me. So reflecting on that, like, is really, really powerful. And I was like, that was a shock for me because, like, being so intense and, like, digging deep into, like, your own soul is <laughs> is really, really hard. And a lot of times also, like, at least for me, like, I blocked my shadow side and I was actually not really aware of it either. So I'm unsure, like, how you, if you, this is something you can relate to, what was your experience there? Yeah, I can definitely relate to it. I, I think around the time that we met, began a pretty significant exploration for me that's continuing through this day of the things that drive me. And what of those things are wounds that I need to seek healing for? And what of those are positive things that I want to hang on to and nurture? It's been interesting moving from founder to now doing coaching and seeing how common these threads are among people that are doing things like starting and scaling companies. I think you're right that a lot of the drive comes from some unresolved pain or shadow as, as you describe it. And one of the questions that I hear from the coaching side now often with founders is, 
what happens if I explore this or if I find resolution or healing, what happens to my drive? And I'm curious what you know about that question and, and what you've discovered there for yourself. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, honestly, like something to note is like, I'm still like yourself, like exploring this and I still don't think, you know, I have kind of like figured everything out, but something like I have really learned is kind of to accept myself, you know? So for instance, like all times in the past, I, I thought actually I was broken because like I was never really satisfied. And I think like a lot of people can, uh, you know, relate to this, like, you know, you reach a goal and then, you know, it's blah, like you, you set a new goal that's higher. <laughs> and I really like thought like this was really, really broken. And the, the problem with this is kind of like, you are never like, you never reach, you know, the damn goal. You always strive for more. And I kind of like had troubles with this because also like sometimes I talk with friends and they didn't have the same problem as me, some of them. And then, you know, is this really an issue? And right now, like, I don't really think it is an issue. Like, I have learned to kind of accept it. You know, that's kind of like my nature. And it also has like some really positive things and some really negative things as well. You know, I think it's kind of like a very human drive. It's kind of like, you know, if we didn't have this drive, like, and of course, like some have it like much more strong than others, you know, we will basically like, be still like on the, like uh, African savannah <laughs> and not really advancing a lot. So basically com combating that, you know, uh, like this drive and this like dissatisfaction uh, with those like balance, like has been a real challenge for me. And it still is like, you know, my default mode, if like am I, um, I'm honest, if I'm not like regulating myself, it's basically I could work all the time. <laughs> not just like work on the company, but just like work on improving stuff, like improving myself, improving my work. But, you know, what I also found out is like that you actually need to kind of like balance yourself because you will kind of end up like very miserable in the end if that is the only thing you do. Because, you know, we are still humans, like we need a human connection. You need like, a, you know, for instance, my family is very important for me. And, uh, you know, with like this uh, drive, I think it becomes like very, very difficult to actually manage this. Like our blog is called Ambition and Balance. Uh, and uh, the, the, this kind of ongoing team that we have, and actually a lot of people that we have inside a company, like share the same personality type. So so this is basically challenge, uh, a big challenge. I'm unsure like if you can relate to this or, yeah, you probably can. I think it's a very common trait for founders. I can definitely relate. And I'm feeling a sense of irony having this conversation with you. And I'll explain why, which is I, as I've shared, your app Todoist has been my primary kind of task management app for many years now. And one of the things that I've realized since selling the business a year ago is even if you take away a business, I still feel my version of what you're sharing, which is I'm only valuable and worthwhile if I'm productive and doing things. And I'm only able to deal with my existential angst and anxiety if I'm busy. And one of my ways of solving for those things has been to obsessively manage a list of goals and a list of tasks. And I feel really good when I'm getting through and checking off tasks. And 
we sold the business, it became very problematic because suddenly this thing that had been my source of tasks for seven years was no longer there. And mm. I had this intent for myself of, I'm going to take a year or two off and have a lot of downtime. And I thought that would just feel blissful. And it ended up being a lot harder than I anticipated. And I found myself a couple months in still loading up my task list inside of Todoist and managing my day and my anxiety by getting stuff done. And I, at some point, I hit a point where I, I literally went in and I took all of the dates off of my tasks and moved them all to some backlog. And I had to go through almost like a detox, and I still am kind of fighting my way through this, to be honest, where um, I just had to experience a way of being that wasn't productivity driven, but I'm still, man, I'm still in it. Like even moving to coaching, like I, it's easy for me to flip back to default mode of, yeah, I'm doing this thing that's about like being with people and holding space for them, but I will make easily make a bunch of it about getting tasks done and feeling productive and just driving myself into the ground so that I don't have to deal with any of the hard stuff. Yeah, Matt. I mean, I can really deeply relate to this. And honestly, I think like uh, one of the really hard things is kind of this like off switch, like, you know, switching off, <laughs> not doing anything, not trying. And I think it's it's kind of like becoming a huge problem in our world. Whenever I hear this theme come up in my own thoughts or in my conversations with other people, you're someone who often comes to mind for me. And I think it goes back to some of our earliest conversations. And it's this idea of like, what is enough? What, what is enough to accomplish? What is enough to have? What do I need in order to feel like I'm enough? And I might need to sharpen my history a little bit. But if I remember correctly, you had a company before this. Maybe you could share a little bit about that. And then also, I'm remembering back to a conversation that we had last year where you were doing some kind of personal excavation of your thoughts around your ambition for this company and what what big enough was, what good enough was, what kind of achievement mattered to you. And I, I'd love to explore that because it's it comes up in so much of my coaching work with founders. And honestly, like it's probably the theme that most comes up both in coaching and also in my own personal life as I am kind of pausing post-exit, in-career transition, 40 years old and lots of life transition and just really trying to explore for myself as well, what's enough? And I, I'm curious what you're up for sharing there. Yeah. I mean, honestly, like this is such a deep question. And uh, so uh, before I go into like the history I have with like uh, my previous startup, uh, where I basically almost burn out myself, like this book is actually, uh, I'm unsure if you know it, it's called To Have or To Be. And it basically mm. touches this subject and I'm still like reading it, but I can share like what I have learned so far, uh, exploring this on myself. So basically I co-found like this social network. Actually, I started first to do this and then I got like a really good offer to co-found like a, a social network as a CTO. And uh, it grew like really, really big in a very short time span. So I think like maybe in six months, we had like over 10 million users. Uh, something like that. I mean, just like exponential wow. growth. And I was basically working all the time. Like there was basically like zero balance. <laughs> I did this like for a few years. And basically like in the end, I was like so burned out that 
I don't know. Like, I think if I had continued, you know, I don't know how I would have ended up. But, you know, it, it was just like very, very stressful. And even like on the outside, you know, like I was basically like a 20 year something like multimillionaire, like on paper, part of like a successful, you know, startup. Maybe, you know, that was my dream at some point. But, you know, I was like in this and I basically hated, you know, <laughs> this job. I hated the, the pressure, you know, and also all of this, like, you know, at some point, like in the beginning, you're just like, oh, my God, like we have so many users signing up using this thing. And in the end, like I didn't really care anything about the users that were signing up the numbers or the dashboards or something like that. Uh, so basically, I have like lost most of the drive for this. So I think like this startup like taught me a lot of stuff. And one of them was basically like, the, the balance element is quite important. And especially for me, like if you don't constrain yourself and balance yourself, then, you know, the, the end result is kind of like a huge burnout. And success, you know, in terms of like numbers, I mean, I think even like if you begin to earn a lot of like make a lot of revenues in the end like it's just like numbers uh, so if you are not actually like happy on the inside and you know you also have maybe something other than your work to be happy about it doesn't really matter that much that's at least like my perspective on this another thing is basically also like this vc funded like uh, where you actually don't really have a revenue model and you only think about growth uh, that was also like really, really stressful, you know, also like just like growing for the growth sake, like not really having like a deeper mission. So in my new company, like this, you know, we still want to do something that's amazing, that really can impact the world, but we kind of want to do it like without burning ourselves in the process. So in the end, like that we don't reach like this stage where you have actually made are very significant contributions, but you have basically, like, you know, burned out yourself and your team in the process. It's a big question for me. If you leave me alone in my life, I, at least now, and I, I don't know, this was always the case, but it, it, I know it to be the case now. I feel pretty good. I, I feel, um, I feel grateful. I feel like I have a great life around me. I feel like I have plenty of material security. I feel like I have plenty of meaning in my life. But the the trigger for me is someone else's success. So I'll be catching up with a friend and part of the fun and also part of the, at least for me, of part of the fun and part of the pain of having a lot of friends that do things like start and sell companies is it can be very easy for me to not kind of swim in my own lane. And what I mean by that is uh, I'll be catching up with a friend who has a term sheet to sell his company for hundreds of millions of dollars. And suddenly the work that I'm doing can feel small or the money I'm making can feel small. Or there, there can be themes like that that come up where it suddenly I get this feeling of, oh man, do I need to go and start something else and something bigger? And is the work I'm doing enough? And and this isn't new. Like this, you know, a couple of years ago, I was running a venture back company with hundreds of thousands of users and millions of dollars in revenue and the same questions, right? There's always something that's bigger and someone that's having more success and more impact. And that's a tough one for me. And I would say I've become more familiar with it and befriended the struggle more, but it's still there. And I love talking to you about it in part because you're so honest about it, but also by a lot of people's measure, you've made it, right? 
I, I was on a coaching session with a early stage founder a week or two ago, and we were talking about her reasons for building this business. And they just got out of one of the top Silicon Valley accelerators and uh, are raising their first big round. And, and we just started getting real about why she wa- wanted to build this thing. And as we stripped through the layers, what we got to was she wanted to build this thing so that she would feel enough, so that she would know that you know, those people in her childhood that left her feeling less than were wrong. And that mm-hmm. if she built this company for 10 years and sold it for enough, then she would prove them wrong. And there would be a, a stake in the ground that, that she was once and for all enough. And I know by her measure and my, many other people's, like you're a person who's bootstrapped a business to tens of millions in revenue and millions of users and tons of impact on the world. And here you are. I'm curious <laughs> if it works. And I'm also curious mm-hmm. what you might share with that founder who's just starting out about leveraging a company as the tool for proving one's enoughness. Yeah, Matt. I mean, I think this actually goes back to like the beginning of, of our, our conversation. Like something I have found for myself is I'm never satisfied. And, you know, like I can actually use the company <laughs> as a way to actually get enough um, at least how I see it right now. So for instance, like if you look at my situation, like, yeah, you would probably see that I am successful, like on a lot of measures, but like inside, like I still have a shit ton of proof. Like, and I know like, even when I reach that, you know, I will not be satisfied. Like I will look for, for something like more. And, you know, I think that's something that I have found out with, with myself is, you know, I can't like fix this, via the work that I do inside the company. Also, I think like if I reach that stage, like that's also, I think a fear maybe of myself, but maybe also others, it's kind of like that you're just going to become stale, you know, like, because a lot of like searching for more or like trying to prove more is basically like a huge opportunity for growth as well. So maybe like also like, if you feel like you actually are satisfied with your current situation, that you will not basically grow anymore as a person because you just basically become like complacent with, with the whole thing. So that's probably also a fear, at least like I have. Yeah. So, so for me, and maybe also something I could share with this founder is maybe like, don't use your work as a way to seek this. I think there's like a lot of other avenues to actually seek this. And for me also, I think, something that has changed uh, a lot how I actually live my life and think is basically like having a family, you know, having some kids because that gives you another perspective and maybe also that, you know, like your work or your company or whatever, like your accomplishments, (laughs) you know, that's not what life is really about. It's one of the aspects. Yeah. So, so for me, I've kind of like tried to really like just say, you know, this is my nature. I'm not actually going to change this. I'm just going to accept it <laughs> and just like, like live with it and then try to like constrain it or like balance it. You mentioned the realization that the company wasn't the right place to be working out these questions. And I'm curious what you have discovered about other ways of working out these questions. Yeah. I mean, something I think helps a lot is like self-reflection, you know, meditation. Actually, like during this coronavirus, I stopped meditating for various reasons. 
just like busy life and kids and stuff like that. But during this like coronavirus, I have started to meditate again. And maybe also like journaling can help a lot. And just like, you know, going deeper into yourself, figuring out like, you know, what is actually like your shadow side, what drives you. Also, uh, an important topic, I think, that I also found out is your relationship to your parents and to your history is very important as well. So like exploring that is maybe like much better and like trying to find answers in that and maybe like even accepting, like not trying to change, but like accept things is maybe a much better avenue than just like blindly, you know, (laughs) trying to resolve all your problems by like building a very successful company or whatever like metric you have for success. And for you, as you've done that work and gone inward and learned more about what makes you valuable outside of your accomplishments. How has that shifted your own drive and your own desire for impact and meaningful work? I mean, that's a really good question, Matt. I mean, honestly, I think especially like the, the work that I have done in maybe the, the last year or two, actually after the, the boot camp, I think actually I have embraced more like the ambitious side So I don't actually think like, you know, working on yourself and, you know, trying to lead like a more balanced life, like being more self-reflective, I don't actually think it needs to hinder like your ambition or like you wanting to create some impact or whatever else like you want to have. But I think it makes you much more thoughtful, at least for me. Like, uh, you know, I think a lot more about just like myself, like my thoughts, like the issues and honestly like it's still like a struggle <laughs> so i think also something that we also talked about a bit in the beginning of the conversation it's kind of like this work never actually ends <laughs> so you can always you know uh, like go deeper or like uh, you find some new things or you also like just return back to the same issues that you had as you actually began to explore this because a lot of the stuff is like really really hard to resolve Today's episode is brought to you by Pluto Pillows. In all of life's little ups and downs, sleep is perhaps your most important ally. Pluto provides a personalized pillow directly to your door. The only irony here for me is that I loved my Pluto pillow until my wife stole it, and now she loves it. Personalized for me, but no longer mine. Well, still a win for the family, I suppose. Check out PlutoPillow.com. All orders receive free shipping and a 100-night guarantee. Today's episode is also brought to you by Sanity Labs. Sanity Labs provides founder and executive coaching designed by founders for founders. If you have considered hiring a CEO coach but had a hard time finding one who really knew what it felt like to be in the founder or CEO seat, be sure to check out Sanity Labs. Sanity bridges leadership development with actual tactics for company building to ensure you are not alone in the hardest parts of your role. Visit sanitylabs.co for more details. Reminder before we return to the episode, if you have any questions or topics you'd like covered in an upcoming episode or any feedback at all, please email us at questions at the sanitypod.com. Now back to our episode. I want to share a little bit of what's coming up for me because I think it's crystallizing a thought, but also want to ask you to edit it aggressively if it doesn't land right for you because I don't want to put words in your mouth around your story. But first, just to provide some context, you've mentioned a couple of times this idea of shadow. And 
for people listening that might not be as familiar with shadow, I might butcher this a little bit and feel free to add to it, but the concept of shadow comes from Carl Jung's work. And the idea is that there are parts of our psyche that we learn early in life are distasteful or not safe to share. And so we push them away and out of our consciousness and they don't cease to become part of us. In fact, they are often major drivers of our behaviors but not conscious drivers. So they are things that have a big impact on the way that we live and are and perceive ourselves, but perhaps not things that we would be able to consciously identify. How does that land with you as a quick amateur's definition of shadow? I mean, that's so spot on. Yeah, I think that's very precise. And a lot of times actually when you're like working and just like not thinking deeply or like reflecting you're maybe not even aware of like, you know, what is actually like your shadow side, you know, what is the drive, you know, what is the conflict? So, so I think you're spot on there. And, uh, and, and for me, like actually uh, before like this boot camp that we did, I was actually not really aware of it at all. I didn't even like know that this thing existed <laughs> because I, uh, I, you know, I heard about Carl Jung before, but I didn't know his theories. And then like going deeper into this, I was just like shocked <laughs> to actually like figure out like, what, what is this? And I think maybe that's a problem a lot of people have. So what I'm, what came up for me as you were talking about it, and it's, I'm actually finding it very helpful thinking about my own life as well is I wonder if by getting clear on our shadows and our wounds and the things that we're carrying around that are creating this incessant drive, I wonder if by doing the work and getting clear or getting healing where it's needed or support, I wonder if what happens is less that the drive goes away and more that the the purpose of the work comes out of the shadow and into consciousness so that rather than being subconsciously driven to achieve and grind ourselves and our teams into the ground, we begin to pull the drive and the desire for meaningful work into our awareness and are able to make more adult conscious decisions about the work we want to do and why and what we want to achieve and receive from that work. I I just speak for myself because I've been deeply examining this fear for the last year since stepping out of running my last business. I wonder if we might let go of the fear of losing our edge or losing our ability to work or to do meaningful work and instead look at this as an opportunity to actually work for the right reasons and work in the right way and make that a very conscious adult choice instead of a subconscious drive. I don't know. How does that land for you? I mean, this uh, lands very well, Matt. I mean, I can really deeply relate to this and uh, I mean, something I'm, I'm also like just thinking about while you said that is also like maybe accepting like your, you know, subconscious as well, like your shadow side. And for me, like actually what might not be like very clear, I will actually uh, tell what my shadow side is and like why I was not really aware of it. M- my shadow side is probably like rage. And I always like actually try to suppress that, you know, and I've always tried to control that aspect. And of course, like, you know, this isn't really possible all the time. So when I actually like, am like really angry, like I'm really, really angry, like, <laughs> especially like in situations, I can like really say some stupid stuff while in state or just like do some, some 
like bad decisions. And I was actually not really aware that this was kind of like my shadow side. And I was actually not really accepting that. And then, of course, like this is a problem because you kind of like boil your rage, you know, like you just like every time you you feel angry, you kind of just like put it back in like this uh, unconscious mind. And when it actually comes out, it comes out like much more strong than, than it should. And, you know, like this is kind of a very normal, like if you read about it, like it's a very normal thing to happen. And I mean, for me, then it's like kind of connected to my relationship to my dad because my dad was like very, like we were very, very similar. And then you kind of dig deeper into that and you figure like all like kind of like connections. Yeah. And you know, how does this actually affect the work that we do and the drive that we have? And if you actually lost that, would you actually lose your drive? I don't actually think this is true. So that's at least how, how, how I see it. Uh, and maybe also like accepting that and working with that is much more productive and much better for yourself than like suppressing it. I'm holding in my mind this contrast between the Amir that you painted who was working to the exhaustion of doing anything else, running this fast-growing social network startup to the Amir today who is running by many measures, a more successful, high-impact company, but doing it from such a different place. I'm feeling this inspiration in my chest of early-stage founders listening to this conversation because I'm I'm just so excited for them to have a model of someone that is leaning into this kind of openness and honesty and self-exploration and vulnerability and doing it from a place of high-impact work and doing it from a place that they might admire and like to be. I'm wondering, the experience that your team has working with you today must be quite different from the experience that your team had working with you in in those early days. Is that true? Yeah. I mean, honestly, I think like people have a very different perception of me uh, than, you know, like, for instance, like I, I have actually never shouted on somebody, you know, like the thing is like the spectrum, you know, like is never shown because a lot of times, like, if you know what your shadow side is, you know, like, you know, that's a side that maybe, like, only comes out like, in extreme cases because a lot of times it's kind of suppressed. So I think, like, my team has, like, they will not really guess that, you know, my shadow side is kind of rage or I have, like, issues with this. And probably, like, also if you just, like, look from the outside. And, you know, like, I was not even aware of this myself uh, <laughs> So I think like the, the perception that the team has right now is very, very different. And also, you know, I have like also worked a lot on this and just like learning to accept it and like, you know, manage it. And also like, you know, controlling like emotions in a much more like productive way has been really helpful. Also, like I think to become like a better leader. I mean, I can tell you like a story uh, like from, from the, like my first startup, like working all the time and like, <laughs> And I was not the only one, like a lot of us were, were working like almost all the time. And there was like really a, a stressful environment. And, you know, like some of the meetings were basically like, you know, shout contests of name calling. And like, we have never had this in like Duist right now. So I think it's definitely like a, an improvement. Uh, but the thing to know is like, I don't actually think this never ends. So, you know, there's always more work to do and more deeply like digging into stuff and figuring out stuff uh yeah 
I meet a lot of first-time early-stage founders who feel reticent or feel unable to share, even with their co-founders, with a level of openness and vulnerability that you are modeling here on a public podcast, which shows me that things have changed a lot for you from the way that you showed up and led in your earliest days to now. And I'm curious for those founders who maybe are looking at this conversation, looking at you as a model of doing things differently and a model that they may want to emulate or at least a path they may want to explore. Are there tools or resources or practices that you would recommend they explore if they're just looking to dip their toe in the water of this different way of leading and being? Yeah. I mean, honestly, like I'm a huge fan of, of Reboot and they have actually done a lot of like resources around this, you know, just like a more human way to lead. I, I also find like Sam Harris's podcast and also like his meditation app to be really, really well made. And I think this can maybe just like help you, you know, collect your thoughts. I don't, I don't actually think he explores like the shadow side that that much so those would probably be the two resources but honestly i think like the thing i lacked when i actually started out was basically like a lack of like self-awareness or like digging into your self like into your past like understanding like yourself and you know like i was probably close to 30 years when i actually like really tried deeply to understand myself like you know what was actually my drive you know, how does like my history shape, you know, who I am today? And also like, I think being like open and not like projecting like this, you know, leadership that is kind of like this macho, like <laughs> that has like no weak sides and like no soft sides. I think it's also like really, really important. And also I think, you know, like I think everybody's kind of battling like their own demons uh, regard and regardless like i think you know what stage of success you reach like you always have like these inner demons and i'm actually sure like if we, you will ever like kind of resolve that state i think like you need to work on it always yeah so those are just like some reflections that i have on this subject beautiful yeah i guess for context so reboot runs these incredible boot camps and that that's the boot camp that we've referred to you and i meeting at that I know was transformative for both of us. And I appreciate you bringing up Sam Harris as well. I also am a fan of his app and found his book as just incredible science-driven context for the way that our minds work and for the benefits of meditation as a tool set for beginning to get some space from the monkey mind and also beginning to look at this idea of separating me and like what I actually am from the thoughts and the moods that I have. And that for me was a very powerful beginning to asking the question of how do I get off the ride of the ups and downs and actually be in the moment and be present. So I appreciate you bringing those things up. This has been an incredible conversation. It's hitting on a bunch of themes that I see very regularly with early founders that I've been exploring in my own life and that I, I think have even come more to the forefront during this time of COVID because things are much slower and there are fewer distractions. Is there anything that we either haven't hit on or that you would like to share more deeply on before we wrap? Yeah. I mean, honestly, as a founder, I, I think like the, the journey is like really, really tough. And maybe, you know, like 
a lot of people don't really see this, but uh, I think like really we need to accept like that it's a really really tough journey, and it's also a beautiful one. I think like it can really be a great like vehicle to understand yourself better, and maybe like that could be the core aspect of why you want to like start something or be part of like something is like this growth aspect and maybe not really the destination aspect, like, you know, reaching some kind of goal, but more just like, you know, being on a journey and growing with it, regardless of what state you end up at. Like a lot of like startups fail, but maybe that's not really a problem because what's maybe more critical is kind of the journey you had and not really the destination that you reached. And honestly, like a lot of my friends that have failed, like started something and failed, they still learned a ton and maybe we should actually appreciate that as well on this journey. Beautifully put. Thank you, man. I'm uh, feeling the challenge of your words myself, even thinking about my present day work. Um, I've really enjoyed this conversation. I feel like it's like hit at the heart of why I've wanted to be doing this podcast. And it's because it took me years to find founder friends with whom I could have these kinds of forthright conversations. It took me time to find the wherewithal myself and then time to find people that were thinking deeply about these things and willing to talk openly about them. I think it's a real gift to other, especially first-time early-stage founders and other people as well, to be able to listen in on a conversation like this. So thank you so much, my friend, for showing up, uh, as I knew that you would, with such honesty and openness today. I, I'm really grateful. Matt, it's a pleasure. And, you know, I really wish you the best. Yeah, you're probably helping a lot more than you actually think you are. I hope so. And I appreciate it. Thank you, Amir. That's today's episode. Please follow and review us wherever you get your podcasts. Your positive reviews mean the world to us. Lastly, if you have any questions or topics you'd like covered in an upcoming episode, please email us at questions at thesanitypod.com. Thank you so much for listening.